John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verse 38 says, Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? I preached on this passage last week, and I focused on this idea of truth, the value of it, and the victory of it. And I spoke about that, and God laid that message on my heart, and I preached on it. I would like to continue talking about truth a little bit this morning, if that be okay. And I also would like to say that there's a lot of ideals out there about truth. People have their own idea about what truth should be. We, we understand, we covered it last week about relative truth. But to, tonight or today, what I want to talk to you about is God's truth as it relates to worship. We just have entered into this time of worship. And I know that there are all kinds of opinions about worship, uh, worshiping Jesus, all kinds of styles of worship. I remember when Denise and I were looking for a church and uh, we, we came across Hillcrest Baptist Church. We had visited several other churches. Now, may I say real quickly, there's, those churches are good churches, all right? So I, I'm not here to talk despairingly about any church. But you know what I wanted, and uh, uh, Denise and I talked about? We wanted a church, first of all, we do enjoy a choir. All right? All right? Uh, I don't, may, maybe that's not your style of worship. That's okay. But I wanted a, a church with a choir. I, I also wanted a church where we could sing the new songs and the old songs. I wanted a blend of music, and it wasn't all one style. You say, well, David, sound like you're shopping. No, I was looking for what would feed my worship. Now, I want you to understand, corporate worship is commanded by God in Hebrews chapter 10, that we should not neglect this assembling of ourselves together. You're doing the right thing by being here today. But you know, when you really think about it, is corporate worship the only form of worship that needs to be in the Christian's life? I have a good friend, Dr. Vernon Whaley, who wrote a book called Worship Wars. Now, you know, you can have all kinds of wars going on in your life. Uh, there might be a war at home. If, if you've got a teenager that's a little bit out of, that can be a battle, can it not be? <laughs> uh, you might be having a battle of some sort uh, in your home in another way. But let me say, when you talk about worship wars, basically in the premises book, he went through the whole Bible and looked at worship throughout the whole Bible. Now, we don't have time to do all that today, do we? So what I'd like to do is turn to John chapter 4, if you would. John chapter 4, because I want you to understand that worship begins immediately when you're saved. I, I don't know how you are about, um, about worship. You know, we could talk about it, and, and I've looked at it because I really enjoy music. As a matter of fact, Brother Troy, I have, I have done worship leading. I've done that. You guys know that about me. I've done, I, did the, I helped with the choir here that when they were desperate. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, music is very dear to my heart. And I love music. But you know what I want to make sure you understand is music 
is not, we call this worship time. But you understand we can worship in all kinds of ways. Worship is, music is a certain expression of the soul. We'll talk about that. And it, it plays into our worship. But it's not the only way that we worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, you're going to find out, I think, here that um, in this passage that it happens as soon as you're saved. Your worship journey begins just as soon as you find Jesus in your heart. How many remember that day you asked Jesus in your heart? Have you gotten past it? I hope not. I tell you what, I have enjoyed my Christian life and my walk with Jesus. And I hope you have too. I want to, I want to kind of put in some information here for us. In the, in the New Testament, there are six Greek words that's, that are translated worship. Sometimes it's translated worship, but sometimes it's translated service that Greek word. That means that we can worship God through serving others and serving him. Worship is more than just singing. How many of you say, Brother David, I cannot play a tune on the radio? All right, there's some of us that cannot sing, all right? Uh, and if you don't know, we can let you know, okay? Uh, those around you, if they're, t if they're plugging their ear, while you're, that's probably, no, but uh, don't do that, lady, man, don't do that, man. Okay, anyway, so can we lay some ground rules here as we talked about worship? First of all, can we all admit that we're programmed once we're saved to worship? I mean, there's just something about when you get saved that God has placed within us the desire to worship. May I also say this, before you're saved, you have that same desire, a desire to worship something or someone. There's this worship space in your being that says there's got to be something that I turn my attention to, that I give my devotion to, and we are programmed to worship. And I pray that once you got saved, that programming came along with God's ideal of worshiping him. But regardless of the situation, you have a program to worship. And by the way, if you're lost today, you're worshiping something other than God. We're programmed to worship. Number two, those of us who are believers, worship is about Christ, not us. Now, guys, we've got to get that firm in our mind before we even enter into this. We've got to understand that worship is not about us. I don't like that song. Okay. We sang it to Jesus, not you. I don't like this. I don't like... You know, we, we have our preferences. How many of you say, David, I do have a preference? Can I say I have one? I do. It's about everything. When it comes to music, I like about all of it. I really do. There are a few things. <laughs> I have not gotten there, just so you know. But I love music. And I want you to know that it's not about me. It's about Christ. Number three, ground rule. Worship is taught to us from Christ. Now get this. It makes sense, doesn't it? If worship is about Christ, 
And worship is what Christ wants. He wants glory. He wants to be elevated. He wants to be number one in our lives. Doesn't it make sense that he would take the time then to teach us how to worship? I mean, come on, mom and dad. You want your children to obey you, don't you? Well, don't you take time to teach them how to do that? Otherwise, you're being a, 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 a negligent parent. And God, Christ would be a negligent God if he didn't teach us about worship. And so it doesn't matter what I think about worship. It really doesn't matter what my opinion is that worship should be, does it really? Because what we need to know is what Jesus says about worship. After all, he's the one that defines it. And he's the one that tells us what it is, okay? So number four, uh, uh, number three, worship is taught from Christ. Number four, worship involves us with Christ daily. He invites us. I love invitations of fellowship with people. You know what I'm saying? I haven't had one. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm not putting in for them, but I love, to, I love to fellowship with people. Somebody say, let's go somewhere and eat and spend time and break bread. You know, that's a Christian thing. That's what we call it, breaking bread, you know. And uh, fellowshipping with people is a wonderful thing. But let me just imagine this. Christ invites us in to fellowship with him through worship. See, today, when we, had, when we, we just sung together, lifted, Brother Troy led us masterfully into worship today. Let me tell you what we did. Jesus said, come on in. I want, to, I want to fellowship with you. And he invites us in these moments of worship. He, and he wants this every day. Imagine that. Every day he wants to fellowship with you. Every day he wants you to worship him. I love it. To go down the road, turn on the radio, and just have a time. Stop at stoplights. People look at me. I look at them. They look at me, and they really. I love it. Worship daily. Number five, worship does create change and renewal. You know, when you've got your mind off yourself, your ugly self, your selfish self, and some of you ladies can't say ugly, you, you just say self, but I have to say ugly. When you have your mind on yourself and what is mine and only mine, and I'm focused there, there is no worship in that. Why? Because you're worshiping yourself. So when worship does create change because we get our minds off of ourselves and onto Christ and he expands our minds to the entire world, he brings that to our heart and worship can really begin. I want to talk to you this morning about worship. Let me give the context and we're going to read these verses in just a moment and let's pray. Father, bless this sermon. God, I, you've laid on my heart to preach this, and it's been on my heart. Uh, God, you, you've given it to me. You, you've allowed me to develop this. I pray, God, you just help me to deliver it in a way that will honor you. Bless everything today for your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Let's talk about the context. Jesus is traveling through Samaria. Now, if you don't know, the Samaritans are a, a heathen race. They, they, they have Jewish background, but they've got a heathen core. They just worship about anything. And for the Jew, it was distasteful and and, and drudgery to go through there. As a matter of fact, they would go around Samaria often. But Jesus said in uh, John chapter 4, verse 4, he must needs go through Samaria. There was a higher reason that he was going through Samaria. And uh, he tells his disciples that, and he wins this Samaritan woman to himself. And when he does so, he teaches her something. I want you to look in verse 19 of chapter 4. 
The woman saith to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in what? Truth. What is truth? God's truth, right? We're going we're gonna to worship. Jesus is saying we're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in what? Truth, the woman saith to him, I know that Messiah is coming, cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he shall tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I want you to notice, I have put together a definition. Uh, the Lord has given me a definition that has three phrases in it. The Lord has given me that. I mean, I'm just saying, I feel like this is what I've tried to do is put my, wrap my arms around what worship is. You know, we, like I said, uh, this friend of mine has written a book a big, thick book about worship. And we don't have time to cover all that. What I want to do is boil it down to one statement. Is that okay? And that way we can wrap our brains around what does God want from us, whether it's in our personal life or whether it's right here corporately, God has, has something for us. The first part of that statement is all of me. Say that with me. All of me. Now, let me make sure you understand that I know there's, some, there's more of some of us than there is of others. But God is saying in verse 23 and 24, he's saying, but the hour cometh now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Verse, verses 23 and 24 basically says, all of me. Matthew uh, 22, verse 37, Jesus is speaking again. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus saith unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Now that, that pretty much encompasses who we are, right? It's our, he said, I, with all thy might, with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Now, we have a heart that we share at Valentine's week, right? That's, where our, that's our emotion center. That's where we learn to love and we express love is in our heart. Our soul is where we do business spiritually and eternally with Jesus Christ. And then he talks about our mind. Our mind is where Satan attacks us every day when we're going through life. We see something. We hear something. We, uh, someone tells us something, and our mind goes crazy. And God is saying, for us to have true worship, all of me must be involved in true worship. Every part, my emotions, my soul, and my mind. Here's the problem. We don't give him everything. And yet we say we're worshiping. We hold back something. Maybe our emotions, maybe there's hurt there and there's anger rooted in that heart. God says, that can't be there if you're going to worship. Maybe there's bitterness towards someone and God says, that can't work there. That can't be worshiped there. 
if that's in your heart. Maybe there's some kind of emotion in your heart. Maybe you feel shunned or, or overlooked or there's some kind of emotion there. And God says, I want your heart. Your emotions. Did you know emotions are God-given? You wouldn't experience love except that Jesus, is, God is love and he has loved you. You wouldn't experience righteous anger. I'm not saying anger that's out of control, but righteous anger towards sin, except Jesus were holy and give you that. You would not experience some of these emotions except God has put within us that capability. But let me also remind you, for every authentic thing that God gives you, Satan brings in the false. And there are emotions that he uses against you over and over and over again. And God says, I must have your heart. I've got to have all of you. I've got to have your soul. You cannot worship God without doing spiritual business with God. You've got to, in your soul, you have to know that Jesus is your Savior. I want you to know that it's very important that your soul is involved. I want you to see that even this, uh, he's talking about our, our soul being so important. Uh, in verse 25 of this chapter, uh, he says, the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. How much do you know in your soul that Jesus is who he is? Do you know for sure? Do you know that you know that you know that you know Jesus as your Savior? Is there an assurance in your heart? Is there a knowledge of God? Have you settled it in your soul? And when you have, God said, we can worship. Until you have, you can't worship. I must have your heart. I must have your soul. And he says, I must have your spirit, verse 24, in spirit and in truth. Our spirit being led by the Holy Spirit within us to the truth of God found in his word. Did you know you can worship because you know the word of God? Uh, have you, how many of you have ever been in a difficult situation and God brings a verse along that just settles your soul? How many times have you had something just come up, just pop up on the screen of your of your iPad or whatever where you're doing your devotion, reading your Bible, and just so verse of scripture that you needed that moment came up and it would just happenstance, right? No. Let me tell you something. God sees the need in your soul and he brings that need to the, from the word of God. He meets that need in the word of God. And I love the fact that he wants all of me. Do you get that this morning? God wants all of me. Say that with me, all of me. The second part of the statement that I've come up with, all of me responding to all of Christ. Now you think about that. My heart, my soul, my mind responding to who Christ is. What happens sometimes to us is we go and we're exposed to people that do not respond to who Jesus is. They don't know the Jesus that we know. And we may have been in a sheltered home where we were taught the very, very basics of, of Christianity, of Christ, and we really believed it. And can, then some child uh, can, graduates from high school, goes off to a secular college, and somebody there has set a goal 
of diffusing their faith. And all of a sudden, through the mind, they fail to worship. Through the mind, they learn things that doesn't bring honor to Jesus. Did you know that this world is not my home? I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. If you fit in this world, you are of the world. But if you feel as an alien, as a foreigner to this world, then that's the kind of person you should be. See, God tells us that he wants our heart and our soul. He wants us to know. Notice the word truth. We've read it several times. Now, I want you to understand who Christ is. Do you understand that Jesus, in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in him? That means that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit is all culminated in the body of Christ. That means that we have seen God when we see Christ. That means when the Holy Spirit indwells us, we have all of the Trinity. We have all of God that there is. And Jesus Christ is who we have to focus on today. You understand? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Someone said, explain the Trinity. Well, I can't explain it. I don't understand how three distinct beings, as powerful and magnificent as they are, can be one. I don't understand it. The best illustration, you've heard it before, is the egg. You've got the shell, you've got the yolk, and you have the white. It's all three parts, but it's one egg. I don't know how to tell you what, how to explain it to you, but I know this, that God the Father, God the Son is all embodied in Christ and we must deal with Christ for who he is. And I'm so glad we have him as our Savior. I'm so glad we can declare him to a world. I'm so glad that I can be confident today that when I share Christ with somebody, it can change, he can change their life. And when I come in contact with who Jesus is, when I engage who he is, that's when worship can happen. See, it's not about me. It's all of me responding to all of Christ. That is worship. Notice I haven't said it has to be at 621 Hartsville Pike uh, Hillcrest Baptist Church. I'm telling you we can worship Jesus wherever we are when we let all of us, all of me, Respond to all of him. Here's the problem. We like, to, we like to be like a cafeteria and take what we like and leave what doesn't suit us. We don't like some of the things that Christ brings because, you know, whom he loves, he chastens. We don't like that. See, that's love to chasten. That is love from Christ. Christ is that kind of God. He's holy. He has a standard of holiness that he's drawn us up to. Be ye holy as I am holy, the Bible says. Oh, I'm not one of those that, you know, that you have to part your hair a certain way and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about holy in effort and in attitude and living for God. And when you put that in front of him and he lets you do that, that's all of Christ. All of me responding to all of Christ. And my third phrase for all my life. All of me responding to all of Christ for all my life. Would you say that with me? All of me responding to all of Christ for all my life. That, to me, it's not, you won't find it in a book. That, to me, is what worship 
can be summarized in real worship. When I come to Jesus and he tells me in my heart and in my soul that I have done wrong, I need to agree with him and deal with that, respond to him. But then I need to understand that Jesus promised me, though I am with you always. In this passage, the reference is when he has come, he will tell us all things. I want you to remember that when we talk about our life, it's a full picture. If we were to take, we take, don't we take, uh, how many of you take selfies with somebody, you know? You, come on now. You kids, come on. You, you get with somebody and you take a picture with them. How many of you do that? Okay. That's a Kodak moment, isn't it? Uh, how many of you have pictures of when your children were babies? Don't they, even a teenager likes to see those pictures. They do. They, oh, yes, they do. And children love to see pictures when they're small. How many of you still have what's called a, fo- a real photo album? Where you have pictures in the pages. Everybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> because let me tell you, when we pull those out, the kids want to sit on each side of us. And they want to go through it because they want to look at the past. Did you know all of us have a past? I'm not going to read all the verses, but you know the story of this lady, a Samaritan woman. She had had how many husbands? She was on her fifth one who wasn't her husband. She had four husbands, and the man she's with was not her husband. Now, can we agree she had a past? We would call it a colored past, a, a shaded past that Jesus just brought to her. He just said, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. Do you know you have a past? And you know what Jesus says? All my life, he wants to take care of it. For all my life. He doesn't just come and say, okay, now you clean up, and then I want, to worship, want you to worship me. You, you uh, go back and make corrections on everything. Then you want to. I, I want, no, he says, all of me, even my past. And he takes it all. All of me, not just my mind, just my person, but all of me and my life, my past. You know, right now in the present, we can divide our lives into past, present, and future. Did you know that God has promised Jesus wants us to worship him from, from our past? Not in our past. We can't do that. We're not in the past anymore. But you know, you can take your past, look at it and what Jesus did for you, and you can worship him. You know what I'm saying? How many of you, got, how many of you can't believe Jesus saved you from your past? How many of you hope that nobody hears about your past? How many knows that we do know and we're holding it back? We're not telling anybody, okay? Let me tell you something. God wants us to worship from our past. And when we see the past that God has forgiven us and cleansed us and brings us to the present day, that ought to, that ought to make you praise so loud. They can't, I can't hear you hear it because of my praise. That ought to make you praise. That ought to make you worship. That ought to make you say, Jesus, I love you. 
Tell me, say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your forgiveness. And God, I praise you today that you have forgiven me for my past and you brought me to the future, the present, and I praise you in the moment. God says, let's worship together. But what it also does is when I look at the past and see where he brought me from, and I understand today I can praise him, what it does, it gives me a lot of hope for the future. I tell you what, when I look around me, I see all these Chinese balloons flying around. I've got some jokes I could tell, but I won't because it's too serious. I mean, I'm aggravated. I mean, I mean, I mean shot down some object over somewhere, and I'm thinking, okay. I don't, when I think of the future, I don't know what the future holds. But I'm not going to worry about it because I've seen what he's done with my past. I'm worshiping in the present, and he's promised to be with me in the future. How can I go wrong? How can I help but praise? How can I help but worship? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Now just imagine whatever number of people in here. That was your attitude every day. All of me responded to all of Christ all my days. Every day, every day, every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we get to come in on Sunday morning. How was your worship this week? Man, I'm telling you what, God just did the work for me. I mean, tell you what, there'd soon be so much excitement. I mean, we couldn't keep you from being excited. And when Troy's getting up here trying to get us to sing, you'd ought to be singing, jumping out. You say, well, David, we don't jump out of our seats. I pay. But you'd be worshiping in the way you want to worship. And you'd start on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And it would come together corporately on Sunday. The truth in worship is this. We understand what happens. Let me show you what happens when, they, when that happens. Look at verse 39 of this chapter. Verse 39, and many of the Samaritans of the city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified. He told me all that ever I did. I testify that Jesus has told me all that ever I did. Can I testify about that today? I want you to know Jesus has, he knows me better than anybody. And yet he loves me and I want to worship him. And when we do that, I'll tell you what, people take notice. Yes, they knew her past. Don't think for one minute they didn't know her past. That's why she was at the well by herself. She did not go out there with the other women. Everybody knew her. Stay away from her. Her reputation's bad. Hun, don't you dare look at her. They knew her past, but they saw the difference in what Jesus did. She knew. See what happened. Jesus said, once you get saved, you're going to have genuine worship. And when that worship is genuine, you'll know she testified of Christ and what they did. Notice what happened. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two more days. When we worship <laughs> daily in a way that others see it, it changes them and it invites others 
to worship. What am I saying? Worship is contagious. It's more contagious than the stomach bug that's going around right now. Worship is contagious. I'm telling you what, I love being around somebody that's full of Jesus. I mean, full of, the, they, they know what Jesus did for them. They haven't gotten over it, and they want to shout and worship. I love being around people like that. You know what? Because it makes me, it reminds me, I need to be worshiping like that. You know what? If we had a church full of people, just imagine if Hillcrest Baptist Church come back next Sunday and say, David, I'm going to try out what you just said. I'm going to try it out. And this week, I'm going to spend time, all of me, I'm going to recognize who Jesus is. I'm going to respond to him. And I'm going to know this for my whole life. Not just, he, Satan can't hold anything over me. What would happen next Sunday? I'll tell you what would happen. A testimony from this place would go out. I'm telling you what, people would change. The community would say, hey, we want this Jesus with us. I don't know what he's got, but I see what you've got, and it's going to change me. And that's what would happen. It's all about Jesus, folks. Worship is not about us. It's about Christ. The town believed and wanted to know more. More about Jesus would I know. More of his grace to others show. I want to know more about Jesus. I just believe in John 12 when the Greeks came in verse 21 of that chapter. You can look over there. I'm not... I just believe that when those Greeks came to Jesus, they said, sir, could be ma'am, we would see Jesus. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of seeing the fakes. I'm tired of seeing things that aren't true. I'm tired of people pretending with Jesus, sir, we would see Jesus. I pray that as we get all decided and we, we're determined that we're going to worship at home and all week long, that maybe someone would come up and say, Sir, I want to see Jesus. I see the difference. I see your worship. It's all about Christ. It's not about you. I want that. It would change Lebanon. It would change Wilson County. I believe right now in this room there are those that need to get their soul in line with worship. They need to put, they're not all in. They can't say all of me responding to all of Christ for all my life because they're not all in. Christ knows. He knows your past. He knows how many husbands you have. That, that's an example. He knows everything. Don't try to hide. Some of you are trying to, you might be trying to hide from me right now thinking I, I'm not, the Holy Spirit's talking to you right now, not me. And I want you to respond in your heart. Would you bow your heads as our musicians move in place?